Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. We're talking about the three parts of man, body, soul, and spirit. Last week, I gave a lot of talk about how the inside workings of a car are a mystery to me, but if you know what you're looking for, you can fix a car. And the application of that was if we know what's inside us, body, soul, and spirit, God can fix us and we can work with him and cooperate in his work in our lives. We're looking at what's inside a man. You know, the world has its theories of what's inside a man. My son, when he was trying to earn money as a struggling musician in Manchester, he got a job writing articles for websites which were 30 interesting things you didn't know about. You know when you see those websites, 30 interesting things you didn't know about the, the TV series Friends or whatever, the, all these different things. And all he would do is he would have to write 30 things and he would get paid. Quite a lot of money, actually. And then people click on those websites, they see it and they think, wow, some expert wrote this. No, Matt looked it up on the internet and wrote it. And he wrote lots of those. 30 interesting things you didn't know about. And he's got so many useless facts in his head from all that stuff. But the internet is full of that kind of a site where it says, did you want to know what's really inside of you? What kind of personality are you? What kind of animal are you? What kind of color represents you? What's the jewel that makes you unique? All these different websites where people are trying to understand themselves. And we go to weird internet places to get them to tell us about ourselves. Friend, God has already told us about ourselves in his word. And he's the manufacturer. He knows us. And he loves us. The person who wrote that website doesn't love you. They just want your clicks and your money. But God loves us. Amen. And he tells us, you are a body and a soul and a spirit. And if you understand how those interplay with each other, it will help you in your life. The world doesn't understand spirit. Body and soul they get. But you know what the world says? Is that your body, influence, your body is the main thing. They say your eyes, ears, touch, taste, smell, those are your main thing. Your body is where you get your information of what's true. That then, they say, affects your feelings. Then they say your feelings affect your mind, and then you do what, what all of that says. So they say body first, feelings, mind, and then decisions. That's kind of the world's approach to things. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. You know that song? I know I love you, I always will. My mind's made up by the way that I feel. That's what that song says. That's the world's approach. My mind's made up by the way that I feel because I feel it in my fingers and my toes. What a sad state of affairs. God says, your spirit is where the power resides. Get your mind, will, and emotions lined up with your spirit where the life and love of God is and your body will follow. Relationships, young people. I'm looking for a, a spouse, they say. Let's see how they look, first of all. I'm attracted physically. 
then maybe we'll see if we get on emotionally. Maybe mentally, perhaps what we're deciding to do in our lives, spiritually, who cares? That's what the world says. Body first, soul, feelings first, then eventually, spirit, not really. God says, find someone who spiritually is the same as you, connected to God, and as you both get closer to God, you get closer to each other, then get your souls sorted out, and only after you're married, get your bodies together. Amen? <laughs> okay. Romans chapter 7. So I'm going to be talking about four laws today. Four laws. When I say law, you probably think of the laws of the land. You, shall, you mustn't steal. You mustn't... The main law in Jersey is where you must park. Amen? I mean, that's the big one that affects us every day. But the Bible speaks of four internal laws. There's the law of God, which is the Old Testament law. We think of it as the Ten Commandments, but actually there were 613 commandments. So that's the, old, the law of God is number one. The second one, it talks about the law of sin and death in my flesh. It talks about there's a law... You say to me, Greg, what do you mean by law? I mean a governing force or a power that compels me to behave in a certain way. So there is the law of the land where you must park. Then there's the law of God, which is a governing force which some people try to follow. Then there's the law of sin and death in my members, which is this governing force that no matter how much I want to do the right thing, it pushes me to do the wrong thing. Then there's the law of my mind, which is my self-control and me saying, I want to serve God. And then there's a fourth law that hardly anyone knows about called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to be talking about these four laws today because you get to choose the law that you want to live under. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul spends a whole chapter talking about when he tried to obey God's laws, his Old Testament rules, using his own strength and flesh and cleverness and how he kept failing. And then in Romans 8, he talks about how the law of the spirit of life enabled him to keep not only God's laws, but to live abundantly overflowing for God. Four laws. You ready? Right. Romans 7 verse 5. For when we were in the flesh... That means when I was relying on my body's ability, my own ability, strength, cleverness, willpower. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. What he says, if you read this passage in more detail, he says that when you're in the flesh, in other words, if you're relying on your own willpower, when you get a command, it actually makes you want to break it. And I can relate to that. I don't like being told what to do, do you? Have you ever, have you ever, I don't know if you've had little children. We had little kids and there were three of them playing in the garden and we said, you mustn't do that. Often we said it. One time it was play in the sandpit, another time it was go near the swimming pool. Whatever we told them not to do, this desire came over them to do the thing that we told them not to do. It was like there was this magnet pulling them to the thing. We said, don't do it. 
and I can relate. Can you? He says, when you're in the flesh, one of the ways you know you're in the flesh is when you hear a command, thou shalt or thou shalt not, something rises up within you and says, I'm not going to be told what to do. I'm going to do what I want. So that's that law. If you're in the flesh, this law does not work. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. He says the problem is we're trying to compare apples and pears. The law is supposed to be a spiritual thing where the power for it comes from a spiritual power source. There's supposed to be this energy life power source inside, which is God's Holy Spirit, so that when you read God's commands, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to do it. The law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I've spent my whole life being guided by my five senses, sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, and what my body wants and what my body thinks and what people around me tell me to do. And so I'm guided by this body. And now you've got a spiritual, beautiful, life-giving thing, God's commands, and you've got a, a fleshly thing. And when this tries to do this, it does not compute. Next verse, verse 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, But how to perform what is good, I do not find. I relate. To will is present with me. Paul says, when I was in the flesh, I wanted to obey God. But how to do it, I just cannot work it out. I try self-discipline. Doesn't work. I try making New Year's resolutions. Doesn't work. I try putting rules, doesn't work. I try getting other people to tell me what to do, doesn't work. I try all these things and I want to do good and I just cannot work it out because I'm trying to do something spiritual with a fleshly method. And now we're going to see the four laws. He's going to talk about the first three and then the fourth one. So verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. He says, there's something in me that loves God's laws. I can see the beauty, the correctness, the righteousness of God's way of living. It's a good way of living. I delight in it according to my inward man. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Friends, if you're in that place where you've tried and tried and failed and failed, you're in good company because the Apostle Paul said that was his experience. You say to me, Does this, is this talking about a non-Christian? Or what, what is this talking about? It's talking about anybody who tries to do right using their own willpower and strength. Anybody, Christian or non-Christian. Anybody who tries to do the right thing based on their own ability will have this experience because we're trying to do a spiritual thing with a fleshly power source and the two do not compute. Interesting. 
Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says there is hope. So then, and he gives us a summary statement, with my mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then he gives us the solution. Chapter 8, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Just let that soak in for a second. He says, yes, there are these three laws. There's the Old Testament law that are good rules, but I can't keep them. There's the law of sin and death in my body, which makes me want to sin, and I struggle with it. And then there's the law of my mind, which is me trying to do the right thing. He says, all those three are working and competing. But then he says in verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's a fourth law. There's a law that doesn't follow the normal rules that I've been used to. There's a law that a non-believing person can't understand. What is this law of the spirit of life? Surely it's up to me. Surely I must pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Surely I must be good enough. He says, no, there's this other law. What is a law? It's a compelling force. It's a force that says, this is the way to live, and I'm going to either punish you if you don't do it or give you the power to do it. When it's the law of the spirit of life, he doesn't punish. He gives help. There's this compelling force. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me give you an illustration. We know the laws of physics, and the laws of physics cannot be broken. Even if you don't believe them or agree with them or even know about them, gravity still works, amen? You can walk off the edge of a cliff and say, I don't believe in gravity. It doesn't matter. It works. It'll hit you. But there's another law called the law of lift, which is basically if you, if you get an airplane and you, I don't know what the correct word, aerodynamics, the law of whatever it was that the Wright brothers discovered. If you put a wing with the right shape at the right angle and you put velocity behind it and you put it on, an, on a craft, an airplane, it will lift a plane. The law of gravity is still there, but the law of lift has overcome the law of gravity. Isn't that right? The Wright brothers discovered it, early 1900s, and since then, now we use it all the time. Birds knew it all along. God knew what he was doing. But he says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there's this compelling force has overcome the law of sin and death in my members. But the middle piece, the mind, is the key. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So he says, my mind, what I'm looking at, what I'm focusing on, what I'm thinking about, what I'm believing as true is either set on the flesh. You say to me, what does that mean? Well, it means... You're using your, if I, my mind is set on the flesh, you're using your five senses to decide what is true, and you're allowing your body, feel it in my fingers, feel it in my toes, my mind's made up by the way that I feel, you're letting your body tell you what is true, 
Your mind is set on the flesh and you're focused on it and you're going with it and, you, and you're following it and you're saying, this is my measure of truth. The mindset on the flesh, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on it, uh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse six, to be carnally minded is death. That means to have your mind set on the flesh is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'm just going to tell you three ways that we set our minds on the Spirit today. Number one, we read God's Word. John 6, verse 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So imagine the scene. Jesus is there. There's a whole crowd that's been following him because he gave them bread to eat. When he fed the 5,000, free food for thousands of people, and as a result, there was this crowd following Jesus, and he knew that they were looking for more physical bread, but he said, no, I am the bread of life. And in that context, he said, the Spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. What he was saying is you need spiritual bread. Yes, physical bread is nice, but that's not going to give you eternal life. It profits nothing. Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And then he said something so interesting. He said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. I want you to see something interesting here. We've said that there's a fleshly, bodily way of relating to the world, and we've said there's spirit and spiritual power. But the words of God are something that start fleshly because you hear them with your ears or you see them with your eyes. Your physical body perceives them, but then they go all the way through your soul, your mind and emotions, and they give life to your spirit. Do you see that? The words come through a fleshly source, but they go all the way through to your spirit. And we can decide to let them through or block them, but the word of God helps us to set our mind on the spirit. You say to me, what does this mean practically, Greg? It means this, for every bit of truth and news and information that you receive from the world, news broadcasts, Words from your family, words from your friend, words from your childhood, words you study at school or university, um, stuff that your eyes, ears, and senses tell you. For every bit of information you get from the world, you need to say, God, is that right? And, you, and he tells you by his word. Psalm 119, verse 118 says, I consider all of your words right concerning everything. What we've got to say is, Lord, I'm checking everything that I think is true against your word. And in order to do that, I've got to be reading his word. I've got to be getting it in so that I can compare the two. And when the two don't match up, when the world says you're going to be poor and struggle unless you cheat or do these things, but God's word says, I will meet all your needs, I've got to say, I'm choosing your word, Lord. I'm chucking that one out. And as I do that, I'm setting my mind on the Spirit. And as the word of God comes in, something amazing happens. Your mind changes. 
Romans 12 says we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we will be able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Your mind changes so that you know what God's will is almost instinctively because His Word has come in and it starts to change the way you think. Your mind is set on His Word and on the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit, and they are life. His Word. Amen? Number two, worship. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We all, us, with unveiled faces. This is talking about COVID. No, it's not. It's talking about how in the Old Testament, Moses put a veil over his face because the glory of God was fading and he was embarrassed. It says, we open-faced before God. We all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, as we behold God's glory, that's talking about worship. You say, how do I do that? You say, God, you are great. God, you are forever, eternal, perfect, unchanging, holy, wise, true, kind, good, merciful. You are the Lord of all the earth. You reign. As we behold His glory, as in a mirror, because we've got that glory inside us if we're believers. We're beholding it. We're telling Him how wonderful He is. It says we are changed into that same image from glory to glory. So the first way we set our mind on the things of the Spirit is on His Word. The second way is in worship. Friends, these are not difficult things. They just require a little bit of habit and a little bit of time. Amen? We can do this stuff. Anyone can do this. It's not a high bar to attain. We can study His Word and let it come deep into our hearts. We can worship His glory and tell Him how great He is. And when we do that, our mind is transformed. We are changed into that same image. What's happening is my mind in the middle, instead of being set on the flesh, which it has been for long, long time, it starts to be set on the Spirit. I, I go to work in the mornings, and worship music is playing, or I spend some time praying in the morning or reading His Word, and my mind is getting changed and set on the Spirit. Now, there will be challenges in the day. Somebody will come to you and really be horrible to you, and the flesh wants to rise up and say, do you realize who you're speaking to? Do you know how important I am? I can crush you, you little worm. Or you can say, God, let your Spirit rise up within me. And there's this switch all day. Mind set on flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. But as my mind is set on the spirit, life and peace. The mind set on the flesh, you might get some gratification for a short time, but it's a downward spiral and it leads to despondency and death. Amen? The last way is praying in the spirit. I'm just going to mention this quickly now. Jude, verse 19, it says... These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. It's talking about people who talk badly about each other and about other Christians. It says they don't have the Spirit. They are fleshly or sensual. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. 
looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we can, there is a way that we can build ourselves up in the Holy Spirit, in our faith, he says, by praying in the Holy Spirit, and it keeps us in the love of God. What is praying in the Holy Spirit? It's praying in tongues, which you can do, any Christian can do. You just need to ask to be filled. There'll be people who pray with you after the service if you need it. But as we pray in the Holy Spirit, he says, you're building yourself up in your most holy faith. Let me ask you, is it building up your body? Are you doing physical exercise to get bigger muscles when you pray in tongues? No. Is it building up your mind, your intellect? Not really. Praying in tongues, he says, your mind doesn't even know what you're praying. It's building up your spirit. It's linking your emotions and your mind and your will to your spirit. You're, you're setting your mind on the things of the spirit. So his word, worship, and praying in the spirit are ways for us to set our mind. Friends, Paul was honest enough in Romans 7 and 8 to refer to himself when he described all these struggles because he was trying to say to us, don't beat yourself up. We are all in this human condition of living in a fleshly body, every one of us. If anyone says they don't get tempted and they don't sin, they're a liar. John 1 says that several times. We are all in this boat. We're all fighting the sin disease that's making us to go closer and closer to death. But God has given us the law of the spirit of life, and it's a powerful law. Philippians 2 verse 12 says, God is working in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. There's this energy source, this law, this life, this power inside of you wanting, making you want to do God's will and able to do God's will. If you're feeling accused and condemned right now, it's not of the Lord. You just need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my past and for my sin. And he says, I forgive you, my child. I wash it away. There's a new start from today. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.